I'm a blank. How how are you doing, Thin Lear? I'm all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, I got to do a plug. I know I know we don't do a ton of plugs here. We don't want to betray the trust of the audience, but I have to. I got to take off the mask every once in a while and be the marketer. Sell out. Yeah. Oh, I'd love to sell out. Please give me the opportunity, uh, folks. If you're going to be at South by Southwest. Come see Thin Lear at Stephen F's Bar on Holy Saturday, moly. March 18th. Uh, I would say it's going to be life-altering, like at a minimum. And I was actually thinking, what's the worst show you've ever played? <laughs> I was talking with, with an old bandmate recently. I, I, I played a show, he reminded me, I played a show once in this Italian town called Latina. It was the actual name of the town. You were in Italy. How bad could that have been? Uh, well, let me tell you. So it was like an hour or so south of Rome. The crowd hated mm. us. They hated us. Uh, it was mainly the guys in the crowd hated us. I'm not sure what that was about. Every other show we played on that tour was incredible. The country is amazing. The people are amazing. Like, I loved it. But that that show was felt dangerous. Not sure what the dynamic was there. Uh, but then we slept in a room above the venue after, you know, getting kind of very uncomfortable that night. Next morning, we found out that they locked our car inside the, the gates of the venue. So then we had to call like 10 people to work it out. We were stuck there for an incredibly long time, eating breakfast out of the vending machines that were in the venue. Uh, but we did steal a box of snacks. So uh, that made things a bit better. But that was the worst show I've ever played because I felt <laughs> physically Jesus. like I might be harmed. And also people weren't digging the music. So it was like, you know, half and half. You play like thoughtful folk music. Like what the fuck is there to get angry about? I don't know. The only thing that they liked, somebody requested like a Neutral Milk Hotel cover and I was like, okay, fine. And then everyone was into it. So it was like really, weird, it's really strange. Uh, and then I went back to my stuff and everyone hated it again. Uh, but it, we were well received everywhere except for that Jeez. one. I'm not sure what the deal was. And then somebody, the next night we played a different um, town and people were like, oh, you played there? Oh, wow. <laughs> you know. Uh, they're wild yeah, so i guess it's sort of town infamous yeah yeah anyway austin texas should be a little more mild then huh i hope so Jeez, i hope at least i don't feel physically threatened wow. well we'll make sure to put a link uh for details on that show in the uh show description for this episode yes. won't we people can check it out there that's the kind of marketing noggin hey, that i need do what i can that's right there that's me on the podcast Sharing a song with something to say about it Within Lear and Niagara Moon Losing my opinion Speaking of physically threatened, now that I'm a, a social media influencer on TikTok At Thin Lear? <laughs> yeah, uh, I wasn't doing that to plug the that, by the way. But I was. I started reading the comments on some of the losing my opinion um, videos, uh, which I had not done before. <laughs> Man, people really were mad about that kiss episode. Holy oh, yeah. moly! I mean, we were asking for it, insulting Gene Simmons like that. The gall. That there were some really nasty. Yeah, they um, called out my uh, balding hairline. <laughs> to bring that up. <laughs> they said you, you know, look like a balding Beck. Yeah. Why do they say Beck? I've gotten the Beck thing before. I'm no stranger to that. Beck or David Spade. But why Beck? Oh, just because you look I, like Beck yeah, or whatever? pale and blonde. And look I would call detached. you a, just like a Beck wannabe. Yeah. Oh, they meant like musically. Oh, yeah. I guess they weren't doing research on you. I've learned long ago, 
as long as you're getting eyeballs on it at any level whatsoever, sure. the just you know the default is to be ignored. So if people react sure. to your shit enough to get angry at you, I consider that a win, and that's how our uh, modern media cycle works. I do have to say though that that it seemed like the main theme was y- y'all are jealous. Yeah, Gene Simmons <laughs> it's like, is it's like rich and famous, and y'all are some TikTok nobodies. Right, well, being Jealous of Gene Simmons is like being jealous of like Napoleon or something. Like it's such a strange thing to be jealous he of. He had such a large army. <laughs> like he, but it's like, does anyone pick up an instrument and go like, I want to be big in the way Kiss is big. And if they do, like, isn't that person probably a jackass? Like if you. You don't have to take as many guitar lessons. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you're like, I want people to not really dig music that I'm making, but enjoy my brand. Like that's the goal. I don't have to spend two hours on makeup every night before my show. It's such a strange thing, but yeah, apparently we are jealous of. Oh yeah. Kiss. Yeah, super super uh. jealous. Um, this is the episode <laughs> losing my opinion. I am Thomas Irwin, aka Niagara Moon, profoundly acclaimed indie artist, aka uh, Piano Keys, as I learned recently. Uh, aka Balding Beck. <laughs> Balding Beck. <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, I'm Thin Lear, just regular balding Thin Lear, uh, a.k.a. Matt Longo. Um, I want to talk about something that we don't... Did we talk about what we do on this oh, podcast? Yeah, we I, uh, I, play songs uh, for each other, and the other person has no, uh, no idea how to explain All right. Okay. Uh, I want to talk about something we don't often discuss on this podcast. Pure joy. Ooh. <laughs> uh, it's mostly misery coming mm-hmm. from me. Uh I get joy from music regularly, though. Uh, like sad joy, epic joy, astounding joy. Happy, happy joy, joy. Happy, happy joy, joy. Uh, but it's always joy that's built into the act of listening to music I love, as opposed to like the music is communicating joy and I am receiving yeah. it. Like I don't tend to gravitate towards joyful music. What You seem like you maybe like joyful sounding music more than me would you say that's yeah, true I, I can go all all over the the place i mean i i have no issue with i have less of an issue with cheese or mm. you know i think i have more guilty pleasures than uh than you might i kind of accept sort of surface level schlocky stuff at least from certain eras more than you might true well maybe maybe i'll have a lot of guilty pleasures though we haven't sort of yeah. mined those depths yet but so i've been listening a lot to the Harder They Come soundtrack. Ooh, Have you ever heard yeah, of this? Yeah, I watched that movie back in the day. Uh, that's <laughs> yeah. a very good movie. Very good soundtrack. I love that uh, that soundtrack. Lots of different artists on there. Great soundtrack. Uh, that, that soundtrack is like a separate podcast, but I've been listening to it because my daughter really loves mm. it. I love it too. Uh, it's it really, it's the record that opened my eyes to like the wide range of brilliance in reggae yeah. music. Up until then, I was like myopically focused on Bob Marley. Bob Marley's fucking great, and then there's several other sure. amazing artists, also dozens. Oh, oh, there's a ton. Yeah. There's a ton, and and this there's so there's this, the, right? The Jamaican crime movie from the early '70s with Jimmy Cliff, who is incredible himself, yeah. as an actor and a musician, both. Yeah. Oh yeah, so he makes up the bulk of the soundtrack. Uh, his music's brilliant. Title track. He has a song. Bam. Title track. Right, uh, you, you can, uh, right. So he has a song called "Hello Sunshine." Uh, it's not on that soundtrack, but I could go on and on about mm-hmm. that song in terms of like tunes that give me pure joy. Um, but there's a song on there 
that fully blew my mind the first time I heard it way back in high school. A song called Pressure Drop. Ooh. And it's not just one of my favorite reggae songs. I think it's one of the best songs I've ever heard. Uh, I wouldn't call it joyous. I'd call it like cataclysmic <laughs> in the way that like, you know, like fight the power, give me shelter, just like something that feels like a cultural earthquake. Wow. You know, like a tune that could move mountains. Uh, we could play a little bit of that or not. Toots and the Maytels. Toots and the Maytels, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, we're not going to do like a history lesson on these guys because we're so obviously not that kind of who show. Who better qualified than... Uh, <laughs> than guys who do wiki research. Uh-huh. Uh, but the musicianship in this band is mm. incredible. Lead singer Toots Hibbert is this little dude. Legend. Massive voice. And you know how I like little guys with big voices. Um, you know, this is a kinship mm-hmm. there. Uh, they call him the Jamaican Otis Redding. You could totally hear that. Mm. And, and, and while it's not like insulting to be compared to Otis Redding, because like he's the man, uh, Toots is his own thing. Uh, the guy's got a, a commanding presence in his songs. It's like you listen to him sing. It's like uh, pugilistic. Like it sounds like he's having like a physical dialogue with the music itself he's, he's having like a like a fight with the music yeah there's a push and a pull with the band feeling. he's he's in yeah the middle it's like of a it. like a prime james brown or something like that um that's an experience uh but something that really made me fall in love with this band is their ability to communicate joy pressure shot pressure drop like i said is not a joyous song it's heavy um but i want to it's very a joyous sound though it's it's, it's yeah, an sure. adrenaline rush <laughs> oh it's totally a joyous sound yeah it is an adrenaline rush but i'm going to play two songs for you that I think, you know, to me are just uh, uh, exuberance, you know, sort of in a, in a three minute tune. Uh, I want to listen to a song called Sweet and Dandy. Ooh, I might know this one. Yeah, this is sounding familiar. He passed away recently. He did. Um, I think maybe it was last year that he passed yeah, away. Yeah, he lived a really long time, was doing gigs until like his 80s. Yeah. So this song, Sweet and Dandy, this is a tune about a couple getting married they're getting cold feet, but the relatives are like, come on, guys, get it together. What year is this from? Jeez, I don't 68. know. 68. Wow. Yeah, they go back forever. I love, I love the recording itself. Like the energy on the recording, the production of it. I mean, his vocals are always incredible. I don't think I've heard a song from them where his vocals aren't incredible. It's just uh, kinetic. That's how I would describe him. Yeah, it might be some good gym music, come to think of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's how you start a song. Oh, yeah. Did Lee Scratch Perry work with these guys? That's a great question. This has his funk on it. It does have his funk on it.
joyous. I mean, it's just like impossible to not like this. I, I don't think I would trust a human being that didn't enjoy enjoy this. It's like saying you don't like the Wizard of Oz. It's just magical. When you're ever like asked a question at work that you don't know the answer to, do you ever just respond with, hmm, that's a perfect ponder? <laughs> and then just walk away? Uh, that's a great idea. I should start doing that. Uh, I love these lyrics. These lyrics are amazing. I, like could, you, I don't you, really understand them, <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> I, there were definitely some phrases I had to look up. Uh, but as a lyricist, he's incredible because the songs that elicit joy, like this one, are typically, like as you picked up on, emotionally complicated and sort of full of phrases and concepts that are just out of the realm of like, hey, have fun. Like this is a song about doubts at a wedding. I'm going to play you another one that's even more like explicitly about willfully not recognizing opportunities to feel joy on a daily basis. Um, I just, I love that the joyful songs are always tinged with the recognition of sadness or doubt or whatever it is. Like it's a very relatable song about joy for me. Um, let's listen to uh, Pomp and Pride. You probably know this song uh, as well. I don't, maybe I don't. I'm a little shakier on this one. This is uh, Same Era, Toots and the Maytales? I believe so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll be honest. I really only know two of their albums very well, um, In the Dark and Funky Kingston, like those two records, 73, 74. So I had, after I bought this soundtrack as a kid, it's like, I you know love this. And I got those two records. It was like in a bundle. It was one, a, a one CD thing, which they did a lot and whatever, you know, 2000s or whatever it was, like they, they decided to do that. So um, really familiar with those records and they're both brilliant. Um, Sweet and Dandy is a really good record too from that, that's, uh, uh, that album and also Monkey Man. So 68, 69. Like really their, their creative heyday for me is like 68 through 74. Oh, where uh, have I heard that before? I those, don't know. Those, those There's not years. much going on in that era. Like, no. really, it's sort of a, it's like a dead zone. Yeah, it was kind of slim pickings for just classic music. Back yeah, then. it's like 85 to 89 or something like that. You know, it's just like this not a lot the happening. Peak, yeah. No, yeah. yeah, 91, best year in music. <laughs> best production techniques. <laughs> I'm glad Marcus Starling agreed with us. Um, yeah, okay, so uh, Pomp and Pride. Let's do it. I mean, it's just hard to not feel the exuberance on the song. How come they don't play this kind of stuff at weddings more often? Right <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Take a break from Motown once in a while. There's a lot of Motown at weddings, yeah. That guitar riff is tight. What a guitar riff. He just sneaks it in there. 
And this is like very this, similar. This is just as good as anything I've heard from him. Yes, I love this song. And it's it's like, again, lyrically, I know you're not like, when you hear this song, you're not like, oh, let me dig into the lyrics, but it's similar to the last one. Everyone's dying to see the light. And then when it's there, you're like, well, it's not that bright. I thought it was gonna be brighter. But he's just that like- was the ending of The Lighthouse, if I remember correctly. <laughs> right. Yeah, I think they were looking at this song for that script. Uh, but he's just like, you know, he's, he's ushering you to pick your head up. This could be a happy day and night if you want it to be. Uh, yeah, I just, I love him as a lyricist. It's just such a positive vibe, all these songs from this band. Even like a song like 5446 was my number. Yeah, yeah. Know, about being incarcerated, like that's just, it's a well, jam. Let, so let's talk about that. Um, because, yeah, because, you know, I pick songs that were, Lyrically, they get they do get really heavy. Like like Pressure Drop is a great example because that song is like about karmic justice. So I Pressure mean, there's get nothing. The drop on you, right? Right. Yeah, it's gonna come back and and hit you. And uh, I love that song. And it, I wouldn't say it necessarily makes me happy. It makes me full of emotion and like enthusiastic and motivated for life. But like I pick songs that were just like straight up joy. Um, but yeah, I mean, as a lyricist, there's a whole other side to him. Um, but these, these songs, I don't even necessarily see them as light. I just see them as joyous and I don't see them as light because of the lyrics, in addition to the insane musicianship, I, it, the lyrics too, like it's always joy tinged with sadness. It makes it more impactful for me. I think that's why I respond to them. I responded to them immediately. The first time I heard the band, it's like, you're not ignoring the sadness with them. You're acknowledging that it's there, but also that there's a whole lot more, which is like a realistic way of embracing joy for me in my brain. Mm. Um, and now my daughter loves this music. So it's like, um, I hope that it helps her in the way that it has helped me, which is like, pick your head up kind of, kind of music uh, in a way that is not um, ignoring sadness. It's not ignoring difficulty. Yeah. It's acknowledging it but acknowledging a, a lot of other stuff too that is positive. So it's a beautiful band, beautiful music. Uh, could not go, could, could not give this band any more props. Like I've, they've just been a part of my life since the first time I heard that soundtrack. Yeah, there's so many great artists on there too. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy Cliff himself. I mean, that's a, that's a whole other episode, but yeah, that guy's incredible. Positive vibes. Sunny makes me think of Sunny Jamaica. And uh, just an all-time classic fucking band that went on forever, like they decades and forever. decades, doing great work, uh, intense live shows from what I've heard. I think a lot of people know them, or at least a lot of indie people know them from, I don't know if you know what I'm going to say, but the, the Radiohead cover, uh, Letdown. Oh, which <laughs> I forgot about that. Is really good. I mean, it's really good. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's a, a lot of people. Like if I if I bring this band up, they'll say, "Oh, I know that cover." Hmm. I don't know. I guess Radiohead's so huge, but cool, cool stuff. Uh, that that was good energy to to bring in for the first half of the episode. We're really we're taking a sharp turn for my segment. It's funny how oh, that God. worked out today. Is this going to be um, awful or good? It's going to be good, but it's going to hurt. Oh wow! Uh, what we're talking about today. 
And thank you for asking me what I've been listening to, Thin Lear. What have you been listening uh, to? What I've been listening to this week is... Losing my opinion. What I'm diving into here for my, my uh, topic, music, and maybe you can relate to this... Uh, is well, good. Yeah, music is good. I'm talking about music here. It's it's too, is it too good? It's it's too good. It's it's a category I'm I'm calling today uh brutally beautiful. It's it's too beautiful. It's too emotionally potent. It's it's too okay. sad. It's it's as good as songwriting gets, but to the point where I have to be very careful about when and how I listen to it because it's, it's What do you mean? It's too Just because it's de- depressing or it can like what? be it's it's too uh yeah i guess you could say that it's it's so beautiful and sad it can it it gets under your your emotional skin in a certain way so music to be like cautious of is sort of what you're talking about great great music to be cautious of. great music that you, you don't want to put on lightly you can't just put on willy-nilly excellent music i'd a lot of these songs these artists i'm talking about today i'd put at you know, the top tier of, of it, of music, but I listen to this music less than I would because of how brutal it is. It's yes. It's brutally beautiful. Uh, okay. do you have any artists that, uh, or songs that come to mind that fit this category for you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like a lot of the music that, <laughs> that I like. Yeah. A lot of the music I like is sort of in that yeah. Category to the point where, like, when I try to show people things, they're just like, "All right, this is going to be rough." Yeah, this, this is not music you'd want to hear at work. Like, especially this first artist. If this album came on while well, you know I'm doing my my day job, that, that would just bum me out to no end. Like, I'm I, we're gonna we're gonna start things off here talking about the mystical magic power, the eternal power of the album Astral Weeks. Sure. Yeah, that's one of my favorite records. By uh, Van... No More Lockdown. No, no More Lockdown. Mr. Anti-Lockdown himself. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, who did... I mean, I guess he has a point. Like, who did the pandemic hurt more than Van Morrison? Yeah, really. He, he was the biggest victim of them all. <laughs> biggest victim of the pandemic, yeah. Van Morrison's Astral Weeks, like... And maybe... I think you're going to agree with me on this. There's... Like music, music's great, yeah. And then there's like fucking Astral Weeks, like over here in the corner, that just has this. Um, it holds this immense power over your psyche from like the first time you hear it. Am I wrong? It's its own thing, you know. Like it's it's really, it's hard to categorize. Like you sort of don't know what the genre is. It exists in between worlds. Every time I hear it, uh, I'm immediately transported to that place that only that record can make you feel that you're in. It's like um, uh, Black Saint and the Sinner Lady or, you know, like like records that are just oh, so... Oh, okay, throwing out Charles Mingus all cash <laughs> over there. But like, but like the, where the genre is so unclear and yet it's perfect. Like it's right what it needs to be. It's not like, I don't think of these records as like, oh, this is experimental or something. It's just this is what that record is. Yeah. You know, like this, it, it lives in its own universe. The sound of, not all of the tracks on Astral Weeks really hit for me, but most of them do. And it's like the sound of like my whole life flashing before my eyes or something. Mm. Like it's it's too intense. It's so, it's it's too good. Yeah. Um, Moondance, that's probably, the, probably the, the Van album I'll throw on the most. Is Moondance better than Astral Weeks? I mean, it's apples no. and oranges, but I kind I of would so. say maybe not, but I listen to it a hell of a lot more. 
Oh, sh- you know, that's a great point that you're making. I don't know if that was part of your argument, but that hey, like, I'll, I'll take it. That there are records that are, even from the same artists, that are lesser, but you, you approach them less because, uh, you know, it's just too much. It's too it's, overwhelming. It's too, too hot to handle it. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's like what I imagine like taking DMT to be like, like I'll wait till I'm dead and my brain secretes it naturally. Like I'm not going to throw all that at my psyche at once. What's your favorite song on the album? I mean, we're going to listen to the title right track. I know you uh, did a cover of uh, Madame George recently on the old uh, That's my favorite song. social medias. Yeah, I mean, on that beautiful album. song, one of the highlights, but oh, Ballerina's so good, Sweet Thing. Uh, Sweet Thing's, uh, yeah. Let's, let's incredible. stick to the title track, though. For those who don't know, you're about to know uh, Astro Leaks by Van Morrison from 68, so same year as <laughs> the stuff we were just hearing uh, from, from Toots. Uh, we just live in this year yeah uh beatles and it's, and it's very like yeah it's very like complicated when you read about this record i still don't know it sounds to me like he recorded these tracks and then they had players like overdub over his acoustic recordings like there's, that's one story of what happened yeah. then there's like he was in the booth with his guitar and everybody else was outside and i really don't know what the reality is um, it really, it does sound like they're playing together. I'd be surprised if it was an overdub, but yeah, I don't know. Whatever happened, we can probably count on the idea that Van was uh, withdrawn and antisocial during the sessions. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah, he was locking down inside himself. But like, I don't understand how you could make this music and be like a person in the music industry at the same time. I don't, how is this made by a human? Well, what happened is everybody, did, well, most people didn't like it. And then he's like, I'm going to make mood dance. And then he did that. Yeah. And he and never he made music like this again. He never made this 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 kind of yeah. sound again. How could you? But uh, I mean, yeah, I like a lot of his records. This is not the totally. only highlight, but yeah. Right. If I ventured in the slipstream between the viaducts of your dream. Where my world still runs crack And the dead center back road stop Could you find me? Oh, yeah, that's switch. It's like a light, a light goes Would off. Would you kiss on my eyes? Kiss on my eyes. Lay <laughs> me down. Silence is the to be born again. It's so interesting, the arrangements on this album, where everyone is just sort of noodling constantly. Uh, and it all it's works. like, yeah, it's crazy busy, but it still works. If I put the wheels in motion, and I stand with my arms behind me, and I'm pushing out the door. Unstoppable momentum coming from that guitar. Yeah. <laughs> It does make you think of childhood. That is that is where it brings me when I hear this record. And this song in particular. It's the opening track, yeah? I believe so. Yeah, this really captures wonder pretty well. And just like, yeah, like the extremes of emotion. Like how far can you go with 
the feeling. Yeah, it's too potent. We got we got to shut it off. Very potent. No, yeah. no more. Too much. Very potent. Good story songs on that record. Oh, Damn. Yeah. Cypress, Cypress Avenue, Avenue Madame George. Yeah. <laughs> Some interesting characters on there. Uh, do you know the other version of Madame George? That's like the Bang Records version, like the barroom band kind of sound, and it starts with them being like, "I'll oh, put your fart boots on." I really like no. that version too. Sounds you never great, heard though. the like weird like barroom rock band version of Madame George? I have not. No, oh, I, I got to listen to it. Yeah, I was listening to one of the. I don't know if it's Bang or whatever, but it was from his uh, first record, the one with, with uh, Brown Eyed Girl. Uh, has a song on it called "TB Sheets," which is like. Yeah, incredible. That, that song's insane. Yeah, it's like Man, nine that and a half minutes incredible. long. Yeah, oh, it's so good. And that the to water. me, give us yeah, the water. <laughs> give us the water. That to me is the closest he can. Like that sort of points the way to Astral Weeks. That's that one yeah. song. And then after uh, he never really comes back to this. There are a few songs um, where he really gets far out there. Like listen to the Lion or whatever. There's some songs on Vidon Fleece. Yeah, uh, which is a great record. But yeah, you know, he never quite got exactly back here, and, I, and like you said, I don't see how you could. Yeah, it was magic struck those uh, those two recording sessions. It was a pretty uh, pretty tight recording schedule there. I think it was just like two eight hour sessions, bang done, classic out mm-hmm. the door. Um, well, we're gonna move on, keeping a brisk pace here. Uh, <laughs> to the listener, <laughs> this song is so good and so sad. I hardly ever want to listen to it, and just even thinking about it, like makes me a little sad okay but uh yeah we're gonna we're gonna talk for a moment about the artist uh sufian stevens sure yeah he hasn't come up on the show yet somehow at all no that's interesting i mean we we both like him right i the uh i love uh come on feel the illinois and uh, i know he's he's got like a million other songs and people talk about carrie and lowell and i I still need to catch up but come illinois is that's that's one for the ages yeah, it's pretty perfect. I mean, when that record came out, it really felt like a kick in the ass to everyone. Like, let's all try harder. Yeah, you know? I, like I that hear that record, feel. I'm like, oh, I'm a fraud. Like, there's <laughs> right. the amount of work that went <laughs> right. into the songwriting, yeah. the arranging, like, just these symphonies. And I'm like, I do I even put in, like, a quarter of this amount of effort? Does not sound carefree, that no. record. No, it sounds carefully planned out, sort of... Uh, yeah, painstaking, but in a beautiful way. I and knew you were going to pick this song. You this know is what like, song I'm going to pick, right? Yeah, this is brutal. Uh, this is a really depressing song. And Did you start playing it? Uh, I'm about to. So Casimir uh, Pulaski Day. Uh, you know, cancer is always a fun topic. That's really nice and light and cheery. Uh, something about, what is it in the song exactly? Because it's, I mean, the melody is so gorgeous, but it's like, it's almost a little surreal at times, the narration, but it's so personal or something. Yeah, it's, break it's it down the, it's, for me. For me, it's like, it's the perspective of the child that makes, that's what makes it sort of the magical realism part of it is because it's like, oh, he's like talking to God and he thinks he sees, he thinks he sees her uh, breathing after she's dead. Like, you know, like there, there's so much that we don't get. And then other sort of magical dreamlike elements that we do get. And like that, it, it's, it's so brutal because he puts you in the mind of a child. Like nobody ever says like, this girl is sick or whatever, you know, it's, it's right. just, you, you get these, uh, uh, these details and it's just, uh, it, 
you never get the full picture. And that's what I imagine a, a child would yeah. not get the full picture. They would know what was happening vaguely or that their friend was, was going away. Um, yeah. And, and then mixed with religion and this, this the sort Lord of uh, takes and he takes and he takes. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Just a uh, brutal song. We're going to listen to the full six minutes. I imagine. <laughs> I don't know if I'll be able to take one. It's too fucking sad. Uh, Casimir Pulaski day. From Sufjan Stevens invites you to come on, feel the Illinois. Great cover from 2005. Great album cover, mid 2000s. Yeah, uh, here we go. Yeah, this is a crazy, depressing song. <laughs> Golden Rod and the 4-H Stone. Things I brought you when I found out you had cancer of the bone. Your father cried on the telephone, and he drove his car into the navy yard just to prove that he was sorry. Mm. It feels like he's two inches away from you talking to you. Uh, it's recorded oh, that so well. When the light pressed up against your shoulder blade, I could see mm. what you were reading. It's so mysterious, too, the tune. Like, cause, again, because you're only getting part of the picture. All the glory that the Lord has made And the complications you could do without When I kissed you on the mouth It's just the same guitar riff repeating over and over, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. It never changes, yeah. It's too sad. It's too sad. I'm turning off. It's too sad. Very sad. Uh, he. No one records guitars like Sufjan. Like uh, that song. Um, uh, uh, what is it? Jacksonville. What's that song called? Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. I mean, it, he like didn't really know what he was doing, quote unquote. Like you know, just a bunch of sure SM57s <laughs> strewn about, and oh, is Pro Tools on or not? I can't tell. Like, but then it just sounds so good. This sounds like somebody who really knows what they're doing. I mean, uh, my baby's dropping things upstairs. Jacksonville. Yeah, I was right. I was right. I don't know why I doubted myself. Yeah, the, the guitars on, on Jacksonville, uh, it, it's like um, Abbey Road or something. Like like just the, the level of chiming ringiness that he gets to his, his guitar recordings is very unique. I mean, and all things go. I mean, the one that most people probably know, the Chicago song, like, Chicago, that's a yeah. sonic juggernaut. That is a steam engine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we, we got to all watch out for old Sufjan over there. He's he's a little genius. He'll get you. Old Sufjan's yeah. got his, his bag of tricks. Yeah. Yeah, he's, there's, uh, there's an EP he put out called All Delighted People. That is incredible. I think if you haven't heard that, I really think you'd like it because it's a good sort of combination of his electronic influences and, and you know, his more guitar-based stuff. I got to start branching out more. I'm still stuck in Illinois. <laughs> I got to the map. It's a fine place to be stuck. Yeah. I don't know. Should we even keep going? I'm too sad now. Are, are, you, are these like sort of escalating in their sadness? or? I mean, no it's going to be hard to top uh, freaking... Casimir Pulaski Day. We we may, we may not, but I want to share with you one more tune for now in this this collection of mine. Um, this last one is from Molly Drake. Molly Drake? I don't Molly know. Molly Drake, mother of Nick Drake. Are you kidding me? Okay, so I knew that his mom 
had music, but I've never heard it or or even knew when it was released or recorded. Or so Nick Drake, uh, everybody's favorite song and dance uh, man, tragic '70s folk hero. Uh, beautiful, beautiful records by that guy. But his mother, totally different era, just as talented. You see, you see the musical talent flowing down the family tree there. Uh, she never released anything publicly in her lifetime. Stuff has just come out like in the last 10 to 15 years, like compilations of home recordings. Wow. Um, so like what we're about to listen to, I don't know, like recorded, you know, in the family den on the, the home piano, like by her, her husband Rodney on their you know, 50s tape recorder or whatever. That's that's what we're dealing huh. with here. Okay. But just, ah, oh, the melancholy is thick, like molasses. So like mother, stuff. like son here. Yeah. Or like son, like, what is it? I don't know. I don't know what the expression is. But it, yeah, it sounded like uh, he got a lot of talent from her yeah. then. It, it ran in the family. Um, and there's a tune, I, I haven't heard a ton of her songs. You know, it's all very hissy. You know, like I said, mm. 50s home recording, you know, cold, gray, austere English vibe. Uh, mm. There's a song on here that always stuck out to me from day one called I Remember. Apparently, the song was on the show Ted Lasso, uh, which I haven't seen yet, but I guess kudos to those uh, sync supervisors. Uh, so I'm excited. So you haven't heard this. You do. You knew uh, Nick Drake's mom made music, but you'd never heard any of her stuff. Right. Yeah, I knew it was a thing. I just never investigated. So... The theme of this song, in a way, I would say it's not too dissimilar from when you showed me uh, John Preen's... Brian. Uh, John Preen. John Preen's uh, Angel from Montgomery. <laughs> okay. And that song didn't really do anything for me. Still doesn't. And I, But the theme is similar. It's like the, the idea of feeling maybe like... I mean, I might be reading into it a little bit in the case of Molly Drake's song, but kind of feeling like trapped in your life, trapped in your marriage, being very dissatisfied and let down by your partner. This is like so raw and hits me, her version of that kind of story. I don't know why uh, Prine, I don't know, maybe it's like his melody, just, I, that song, like I, I hear Carrie Underwood covering it, that uh, that Angel from Montgomery. It doesn't- We should do a segment that, every episode where you talk about how you don't like John Prine's I didn't music. care for it. The, 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 no like, one is asking why or how. <laughs> I will just tell you, anyway. I, I'm not here for it. The, the like tragedy in that story, I didn't feel was backed up in the like by Prine's voice or by the the melody felt a little like kind of sassy in a way or I don't know. I'm not here to put down John Preen, but I am here to share with you. But I just did for five minutes. <laughs> yes, and I now did. here's a Molly Drake song. Here's a Molly Drake song. Uh, I don't know. Just point being, it's a similar story, but for some reason I feel it. I'm right in there in that emotional space when I hear her deliver this song. So you feel and an authentic, an authenticness of, I hear it. an authenticity to, to this tale. Yes. I mean, this woman, she was born in 1950, 1915. I can only imagine, uh, you know, her, her experiences that she's sharing through the song, however autobiographical it might be, you know, we're talking 1930s, 1940s. That's, that's a pretty repressive life. I got to imagine it's, it's heavy stuff. Uh, Molly Drake, I remember. We'll we'll get your take on this here. Okay, I'm excited to hear it. Does her voice sound like Nick's at all? Uh the the accent a little bit. Yeah, here we go. We 
Marketplace at ninety in the shade, with all the fruit and vegetables so temptingly arrayed, and we can share a memory as every lover must. And I remember oranges. I remember oranges. I remember oranges. All right, so, uh, you know, we're dealing with uh, different imagery here, maybe some metaphors, but what we keep coming back to over and over in here is uh, we were in our heyday, we were young, we're supposed to be in love, we had these experiences, we went to these places. I remember all these nice, positive things, and you were a sourpuss. Like the, the, the end of the song here, there's a few more lyrics. Um, For I remember having fun, two happy hearts that beat us one, when I had thought that we were we, but we were you and me. Mm. So I, this, it's this tale of, you know, I'm supposed to be in the prime of my life. I'm, I'm, I want love and I'm with somebody who's just not there and just kind of souring, souring the whole thing. At least that's how I hear it. And you combine that with, with her her voice and the, the quality of the recording, I'm like, what a... <laughs> oh, it's, an, it's, it's stunning. Yeah, it's, it's a stunning song uh, and probably far too complicated for the time. That's why I was asking, like, when, when did this come yeah, out? She's not trying to start a recording career. Yeah. Sure, well, sure, but, like, it, it just really England. makes you think... Do you know what year that was written? I don't know what year it was written. Like I said, there, these recording sessions were in the 50s, but I don't know. Could, could have been in the 40s, could have been in the 30s. Yeah, for, it really is. It's a bummer then because you sort of think about what mostly <laughs> rose to the top at those times, and it's just like a lot of cheese. Uh, and then how many people were writing brilliance in their living rooms? I mean, that's a, that's a, yeah, that's a stunning tune. Uh, and, and way more complex than I would give like that time period credit for. I mean, it really is, is, uh, poetry and, and complicated melody. And, uh, it sounds like a classic tune. 
Uh, obviously, it wasn't going on the radio at that point, but I see the band The Unthanks recorded a lot of these, or, or played a lot of these songs on a tour. Um, they, it seems like a, like a song that is sort of just like ripe for other people to come in and, and record it. Yeah, she is definitely getting a lot more celebrated since they first started releasing those recordings. Uh, I think 2007 was when they first started coming out, a couple different compilations out there. But yeah, just, uh, I don't know, you think about the tragedy of, of, her, of her whole life because, of course, you know, her son yeah. is eventually going to tragically pass and, you know, living with grief like that. It's just, it's not a... It's, it's heavy stuff, um, but she left behind so many of these uh, beautiful recordings that uh, I'm thankful got shared with the public. And uh, I got to be careful about when I put them on because it's it's um, emotionally fraught, shall we say. Yeah, you can't put that on at a party. I would say that's really going to be a bummer. Not going to do it, yeah. yeah. But you can certainly put on Toots and the Maytales. Yeah, and you can also put on the Losing My Opinion podcast. Oh, Depends on the episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess it depends on the episode. Maybe the Steven Seagal episode, you can put that on. Sure, sure. Well, I'm a, I'm a wreck here, but what, what did we learn today? What, what did we come away with? Oh, I learned I really want to dig into that compilation. It's like it's like 26 songs or something like that of hers. I, I really want to hear what else. There's a couple ones. I think the Family Tree is the one I'm mm. familiar with. There, there might be one under her own name as well. Why don't we mm-hmm. take two seconds to look that up so we can be factual? We're nothing if not factual. Uh, yeah, the one Molly Drake that's that got released in 2013. That's the one that I mm-hmm. I remember getting into my collection. I gotta check that out. That that is a stunning tune and uh, makes me feel like she probably has others that are of that quality because you can't just dash that off by accident. That's a that's a that's a brilliant melodic voice. Uh, they're brilliant lyrics. And, you know, Nick growing up in a house like that, I can't imagine not falling in love with the act of songwriting. Mm. It's deep shit. Uh, I, uh, I learned that I'm due for a rewatch of uh, Harder, Harder they, they Fall. It has been a long Harder time. Harder They Come, Harder They Fall. Well, it's the Harder They Come. One and all. <laughs> I'm going to start over. <laughs> I learned I'm due for a rewatch of The Harder They Come. Mm. It's been a long time. Yeah. I dig into the soundtrack again. I have it on vinyl, and my baby loves it. It's actually her favorite vinyl record for me to put on. Like, she grabs at it when I sort of let her peruse. Cool cover. Great cover. Maybe she likes the cartoon. Yeah. Well, if you enjoyed this episode of Losing My Opinion, you can go ahead and uh, subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice so you never miss a future episode. Uh, Leave us a rating or a review. Give us some good feedback there. Uh, you can follow Losing My Opinion on uh, Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Not Facebook. Why did I say TikTok? TikTok's a new Facebook. TikTok. Uh, yeah. And you can um, give us rage-filled comments about any episode you have issues with. Yeah. And how we're jealous of Gene Simmons. I'm so jealous. Yeah. I'm also I'm jealous of uh, Alexander the Great and uh, <laughs> Greta Garbo. Joan of Arc. Uh, Burt Reynolds. Just random people throughout history. And uh, I feel like I said a lot of stupid things here today. Mm. Um, I said you wouldn't want to put Astral Weeks on at the office. Mm. And I could be wrong now. But I don't think so. Oh, so sad. That's my Sufjan yeah. Stevens version. <laughs> you have to like triple track it and just be all breath. 
Yeah. Uh, and I'll say, uh, so long, suckers. And also I'll say that I would put on Astral Weeks at the office. Uh, I wouldn't put on the less. I wouldn't put on Molly Drake. I feel like people would be like, are you okay? Uh, yeah. Wow. You heard it there, folks. A final word. And uh, if you're on Austin, Texas, what was the date again? March 18th, Thin Lear, South by Southwest. Come see me at Stephen F's bar. Hell yeah. I don't know the exact time yet, but... Well, details uh, to follow. Details to follow. All right. Hey, put your fur boots on. Hey, I'm not going to go. 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 I'm not going to go.